Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shree. This is episode six, Mailbag Edition, and we are recording this on April 21st, 2020. This episode's just about the questions you guys asked us, and honestly, whatever's on our mind, we really don't have much prepared for this. We're just kind of chilling, doing our thing, and yeah, this is going to be super casual, super low-key. As if our previous podcasts had been so engineered to perfection, but you know, this is going to be very <laughs> low-key. Uh, first off, we have some very exciting news. We'll be live-streaming the first round of the NFL Draft on Thursday, April 23rd, Starting at 4.45 p.m. Pacific Time, 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time, about 15 minutes before the first round of the draft starts. We'll be streaming that on our YouTube channel. The link will be on our Instagram page. Please come by, drop in on the stream, check us out, listen, and hear us talk about what we think is going on in the draft, plus a bunch of other stuff. This is going to be an insane draft. It was already going to be a crazy draft with so many super high players on the board like Joe Burrow, you know, seeing where Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, how did that? <laughs> Cannot pronounce his last name. Sorry, Tua. Joe Small, seeing, Joe Small Hands Burrow. Seeing where, right, Joe's for sure going to the Bengals, but seeing where <laughs> Tua lands, seeing where Herbert lands, there's, you know, this first round is stacked with Taha, but also just seeing whether the NFL will implode or not because they're all going to be on like one Zoom call which will be absolutely hilarious. I really want to see how that's going to work. Um, Feel free to join us. We're, we're going to break down one of the weirdest drafts probably in probably in the history of professional sports, just not in person. I have no idea what the commissioner is going to do. People already hate Roger Goodell. I, I wonder if he gets the same hate online. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how all these dynamics play together. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be fun. It's Basically going to be a televised Zoom call, which will be hilarious. But that's going to be super interesting to watch. And we'll talk about the NFL draft. We'll talk about what we think is going on. We'll talk about the players. We'll take any questions that y'all have if y'all decide to join the stream. Please join. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, Ani, I think you have some some sad news for today. Yeah, some sad news. Nothing serious, but I have some sad news. Uh, my, my favorite restaurant in Austin, Fricano's Deli, uh, closed its doors permanently today. They've been closed for about a month because of the COVID-19 um, pandemic, and they sadly made their decision today to close the doors permanently. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, I go to school, still go to school at UT Austin, um, but currently I'm in California at home riding out this this quarantine. I need to go back eventually to move my stuff out of my apartment out, so I was hoping when I went back, that one last time I could go and eat at Fricano's. It's been a place that I've been going since I was a freshman. They have amazing sandwiches um, for, you know, people of all, basically, like, I was vegetarian for a year in college, and I still went to Fricano's all the time. They had amazing vegetarian sandwiches as well. This made the best sandwiches. It was a West Campus institution. Everybody, uh, like, everybody in Austin loved Fricano's, and everybody that was a UT student loved Fricano's. Shout out to John Ong for for putting me on Fricanos, but yeah, it's just, it was a great part of my college career. I used to go there like once a week and a half, once every two weeks, had a punch card. Um, really going to miss that place. It was just, you know, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a, like I knew I was going to leave Austin eventually, you know, I was hoping it would be, I'd be in college this semester, but I guess this is just one thing that really hit me hard. So, sad. so what is it with Fricanos? Is it like, is it a Texas chain or is it like Ike's or what is no, no, it? So it's like, it's like one sandwich location. It's like one shop. It's kind of trying to replicate like that New York deli style feel. Mm. So they got like Reuben sandwiches and tuna melts and chicken salad sandwiches and all that. But they got like a little bit of a Texas flair to them. The sandwich I always got was the turkey, uh, was was the Cajun turkey melt. Uh, had turkey. They had like this jalapeno spread that was amazing on everything. When I was vegetarian, I got the 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 JJ's veggie and they put this like amazing jalapeno spread on it. They used to grill their sandwiches and like clarified butter on like a like a huge griddle and it just made them amazing it was just like a vibe like you walk in there it's kind of like a, it's like literally a house that's like like the restaurant looks like a house and you walk in there and like it's this real friendly type of vibe it's just really good sandwiches like the food is great pretty affordable too like one sandwich is easily two meals and it's just man it's just like, the place is the best like really sad that ut students of next year aren't going to be able to enjoy that place but yeah i mean feel it the fact that we can't leave college on our own terms is 
it's kind of unfortunate we don't get to eat all our favorite places and see all the last things we get to see but you know it's tough yeah and this is a place that's really close to my heart and it's just like a lot of people talk about small businesses not being able to survive this quarantine this pandemic and this was you know to me the first small business that's close to my heart that was affected so really sad to see that go but hopefully small businesses across the country are able to to open their doors and continue to to serve customers but just again really sad i know everybody at ut that's been to fricanos is also feeling very sad but you know it is what it is so well i hope whoever whoever owned that place like picks themselves up and gets back into a better situation that's tough but yeah. we have some we have some other exciting news in the sports world we have so much sports news so much sports news we have a very mj to the wizards type situation with rob gronkowski formerly an all-pro tight end with the Patriots, former WWE superstar, now going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the trade was Gronk in a seventh-rounder for a fourth-round pick. And I don't know. I This is kind of a publicity stunt, kind of someone just for Tom Brady to feel comfortable with going to a new city for the first time. Uh, what are your thoughts? This is a very, very out-of-nowhere trade. I have many thoughts. First off, I want to credit Leroy, NFL insider, for breaking this. He broke this almost a month ago. Talked about right when Tom Brady went to the Bucks that Gronk was going to join him. Nobody believed him. So shouts out Leroy. If you don't follow Leroy, NFL insider, on Twitter, you have to. Leroy is the best. What a good dog you are. Um, <laughs> second off, I don't feel this is like an MJ to the Wizards type situation. I feel this is like a Steve Nash and Dwight Howard to the Lakers type situation. And in which me, in which I mean, super hyped old players going to a team that are simply not going to do well. Uh, third off, I think I have no idea why. So I see this from two perspectives. Um, one perspective is I understand why you know the Patriots organization traded Gronk and the seventh rounder for a fourth rounder because it wasn't like Gronk was going to come back and play for the Patriots anyway, so might as well get something out of it, which totally makes sense. And a fourth-round pick is better than nothing, of course. But at the same time, it is Robert Gronkowski, who can be argued to be one of the top five tight ends in the history of the league. Most people have him at number one or number two. Personally, I think number one is Antonio Gates. No Chargers bias here at all, of course. But, you know, he's Tony, truly think... one of the greats of all time. And I don't understand how, although he's in a diminished shape, he's not what he used to be. His last season wasn't as great. You can only trade him for... Him and a seventh rounder for a fourth round pick, like this is the Buccaneers. Like I have no idea why they would only trade him for a fourth round pick. And also for the Bucks, they already have OJ Howard, who's a pretty good tight end. Are they gonna ship him now on draft day to place like the Niners? Just a lot of unanswered questions here. And finally, I don't understand how the twenty four seven WWE champ can leave that organization without giving up his belt. And somehow come back to the NFL. I just think it's a terrible move on Rob Gronkowski's part to leave the WWE like that and come to the NFL. But I mean, those are my thoughts. Where your thoughts, Tree? Well, with Gronk being out of football for so long, obviously he was already kind of declining from his peak years with the Patriots when he ultimately ended up retiring. And to be away from the game that long, not really. I don't know what the conditioning is for his WWE pursuits, but it's definitely different than a rigorous everyday football conditioning program that all these teams go through with their mini camps and their offseason routines. And he missed that for a whole year. And for the Bucks, this seems kind of like a like a desperation attempt just to both appease Brady as well as inject some life into that fan base. Because now they have two of the pillars of the NFL for the last, what, 10 plus years, you'd argue. So that's a lot of Bucks fans coming out of hiding just in these last two, three weeks. So I think it's a good move on the Bucks part. In terms of the Patriots side, yeah, you're right. They definitely should have gotten more than a fourth rounder, especially in a, in a year they really, really need help from the draft with so many moving parts and changing pieces on the offense. It's going to be a tough year for them and any leverage they had with Gronk was kind of nullified when they just got a fourth round pick in return I I don't know if it's a 
a bad trade as nothing we can say about the Patriots that's bad ever ends up working out. They just make Super Bowl runs and playoff runs and shut us all up. But this was a genuinely puzzling trade. I have no idea why it was only a fourth rounder. They've gotten good value out of the fourth rounder. I believe James White was a fourth rounder. But especially in a draft where people are predicting Jalen Hurts, who's had lots of college success, could fall to the second or third round. I don't understand why they weren't able to navigate up to another second round pick or a third round pick, use those to somehow nab Jalen Hurts and secure a future franchise quarterback. So very confused on that end. Just overall, a confusing situation. Not sure how it's going to work out. But I have heard that Rob Gronkowski is in good physical shape. He has slimmed down a lot, apparently, compared to what he used to be like on the Patriots. They're talking about potentially moving him into the slot to be sort of a slot tight end receiver type deal. One that we're seeing tight ends like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle occupy more nowadays instead of primarily blocking. They play a lot more out of the slot compared to traditional tight ends like Antonio Gates or Tony Gonzalez. So we'll see. But, you know, the third greatest receiver quarterback combo is back together. So we'll see how that goes. Sorry, I was just thinking about third greatest for a sec. I was trying to see who's... Oh, no, for sure. Two. It's first Manning and Harrison. Manning, Harrison. Then Rivers is... and Gates. And then... Yeah, okay. We're, we'll talk about this later. Rivers and Did Gates you... is not... Rivers and Gates have the most passing touchdowns between a quarterback and receiver in NFL history. Well, you don't think Montana and Rice is anywhere in the top three? No, because... Montana didn't have enough time with Rice to like yeah I think like if it, it's Montana slash um Young with Rice but it's not just Montana and Rice or Young with Rice it's like like they each had like great halves but if like it was a little bit longer it would be great but I still think number one is for sure Manning and Harrison undeniably the best Manning and Harrison for sure I don't know about two being the stats are right there the the numbers literally prove it the most amount of touchdown passes between a receiver and quarterback tandem, you know, counting both wide receivers and tight ends as receivers. The number one is between Phillip Rivers and Antonio Gates. Hold on. I'm going I'm to look, I'm look, I'm look some shit up real quick. Give me one sec. It's 107, I believe. So. 107 tight ends, be, 107 passes between the two. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Look it up. The numbers don't lie. Hold up. It is it is clear to everybody that they are number two. Gronk and Brady only have seventy six touchdown passes between them, so they are definitely like a full season, two seasons behind. So they are got you a lot are of you talking? Are you just going like pure statistics? Well, I think pure statistics wise, I watch Chargers games, unlike a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, and I think the connection between the two of them is insane, and. Just, I mean, from a statistics standpoint, Harrison and Manning is number one because of the number of receptions they've had. Um, Harrison was great, not in the red zone. I mean, he was great in the red zone too, but like Reggie Wayne was more of the target in the red zone, but still the number of receptions Manning and Harrison have. That's why I think they're number one. Also, just kind of an unspoken connection. And Harrison's really underrated. Number two, I just think, personally speaking, just watching a lot of these Chargers games, the numbers don't lie in general. They're the best in terms of touchdowns receiver quarterback duo but also just they have such a great connection as well some iconic legendary moments especially in the mid to late 2000s when the chargers still had lt and they had a pretty great team going that gates to rivers connection rivers to gates connection was just insane they have some great games like the game they played uh the seahawks in 2015 when they were super bowl champs the year before and gates and rivers absolutely destroyed them so i just think they have they're not as iconic as Gronk and Brady. And obviously Gronk and Brady have way more postseason success. And you can point to things like Gronk and Brady in that AFC championship game in, game in 2018 against the Chiefs. That's some legendary stuff. I do agree. But just based on a pure number standpoint, I personally think Gates and Rivers are number two. I will concede that they can be number three, but I don't think anything lower than number three makes any sense to me. I think there's other duos that are highly slept on like Jordy Nelson Aaron Rodgers they were I think from like 8 like 08 to 2017 
they had that like longevity as a pass catching quarterback duo. So there I was... think longevity plays a role, but also success and Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. He did win a Super Bowl. I do agree, but the numbers aren't there for those two. So I think there was I am right. Is the end of this Kurt discussion. Warner, Larry Fitzgerald. Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald longevity wasn't there. Yeah, they I think they only played five years. I don't think Gates and Rivers are a top three of all time pass catching quarterback duo. That's that's awfully feisty. I, I don't I see literally two other people or two other duos that can beat it. It's Harrison and Manning and Gronk and Brady, and that's literally I genuinely don't see anyone else. Because nobody else had the longevity or the continued success or the statistics. Those are the I think Troy, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, if we're trying to go like way back, they had way more success than Rivers and Gates. Uh, a few Super Bowls here and there is not that success. Oh, uh, huh? But look at their statistics. They had longevity, that success, but they didn't have statistics. So, Dude, Rivers has like 5,000 kids but no Super Bowls, man. I, I think that he's successful but just in different ways. It's not his fault. It's the fault of a terrible organization. The man's literally led the Chargers to the AFC Championship against the Patriots. When the page when he, he he had a torn ACL, he almost beat the Patriots in like two thousand six or seven on a torn ACL. That to me is insane. I don't hate Rivers, and I love Antonio Gates. I just don't think they're a top three all time pass catching quarterback duo. And we can know. the numbers speak for themselves. The numbers speak for themselves. If they weren't that good, the numbers wouldn't speak for themselves. But they clearly do. They're number one. You can't say the receiver with like the number one most amount of yards isn't one of the greatest receivers of all time. No, I I'd rather take Brady and Moss than Gates and Rivers. I'm not saying who you'd rather take. I'm just saying that based on the statistics, longevity, and success, they are the number two slash number three. I'll give. I'll concede. Maybe Brady and Gronk are better, but I don't. I don't see literally anyone else being better in those three combined categories. I'm gonna table this. We we spent too much time on this. We have okay. Um, <laughs> the next item we have on our docket is uh, the Last Dance doc series, the Last Dance docu series, which details Michael Jordan's sixth championship run, in the year 1997-1998 with his legendary team the second of his three second of his two three-peats sorry see episodes one and two dropped on sunday on espn Shri, i know you watched i watched as well what are your thoughts yeah that was one of the sickest docu-series i've seen just we we know what happened that year they won the title everyone knows that but at the end of episode two when they were talking about scotty and his pay and how he wanted out i genuinely thought like Yo, are they gonna trade Scotty? Like it was so well produced that you you felt yourself immersed in their world and how the NBA worked back then, how managers operated, how general managers operated, how kind of like player coach dynamics were. And it was wild that you think Michael Jordan said, "I'm not gonna play if Phil's not coaching." I don't think a player aside from LeBron has that kind of power in this league where they can just say, "You know what, if." Let's say I'm like Stephen Curry in 2014. Mark Jackson's fired. He says, if Mark Jackson's not my coach, I'm not going to play. I can't think of many instances where that kind of grants a coach like one more year. Because now Jerry Krause is public enemy number one for nearly everyone who watched the series, the first two episodes. And that was wild to me. But God, if there was any doubt that MJ was the GOAT, I think this series is just going to reiterate and confirm for everyone that yeah lebron is an all-timer we can't say negative things about him he's a fantastic human fantastic competitor unbelievable champion superior basketball player but jordan's the goat man jordan is the goat jordan's number one lebron is number two and i do agree with you at the end of episode two i was seriously thinking to myself did they trade scotty pippen in like this season because i really don't remember that happening i had to google it and be like wait no they didn't <laughs> so it was just really well produced uh, a fantastic docuseries so far and i think you get so far in the first two episodes you get a real understanding of who jordan is as if that we already didn't know 
you get a real understanding of who Scotty Pippen is, which I was really happy because I didn't know too much about him and his backstory. And I'm sure as mm-hmm. the seasons progress or as the episodes progress, we'll we'll get a good understanding of how Dennis Rodman is and his importance to the team. But you know, I think every single general manager has good and bad sides to them. I think Larry Krause did an amazing job assembling this team in the first place. And if you look at just what the sentiment was in the NBA outside of the Bulls locker room in at the end of their fifth championship run in 97, most people thought that they wouldn't be able to succeed and win another championship. So from Larry Krause's perspective, Jerry. I totally understand. Jerry. Sorry, Jerry, Larry, same thing. From Jerry Krause's perspective, I totally understand why he would want to dismantle the organization and try and put some younger pieces around Jordan so that he could win another championship maybe a year or two from from 97. So I think it's really interesting to see how this docuseries is going to unfold, what more we learn. I know Jordan himself said that when people watch this, they're going to hate me. I thought it was really, really well produced so far. The archival footage they pulled is, is amazing. And I know that people are talking a lot now about Kobe Bryant how in his last two seasons, he had a camera crew around following him and filming everything. So we could potentially be seeing Kobe Bryant documentaries like this in the future in a few years. So I think this sets a really good stage and really good precedent. And maybe hopefully we see something like this with LeBron James as well. I think with younger players, players, younger players in the sense of players who started playing in the mid to late 2000s, cameras follow them a lot more Mm -hmm. than players in Jordan's era. I mean, Jordan was followed a lot because he was Jordan. But I think in general, maybe when when we're, you know, in our 30s or <clears throat> late 20s, we'll see documentaries about LeBron and Kobe and the the footage they use will just be so much more immersive because they have so much more content. But I'm really excited to see the rest of the series play out. And I'm really excited to see what this means for the future of sports documentaries because I think this will be one of the if not the most watched sports documentary of all time yo it's it's wild when you think that they didn't have social media back then can you imagine the coverage when scotty pippen requests a trade after five championships in seven years after a defending they are defending champions and midway through the season pippen's like yeah no i i want to be out i i can't imagine how much fun Woj would have with this i can't they would have roasted Jerry Cross on Twitter. You think of all the quotable people from that run with Rodman, Kukoc, obviously you have MJ himself. One of the crazy things from this documentary was seeing Patrick Ewing, currently coaching Georgetown, wearing a Jordan brand <laughs> Georgetown shirt. It's wild when you think that these two were just bitter rivals when they were playing. Scottie Pippen dunked all over him. And then everything just comes back to Jordan, which kind of just shows his reach as both a basketball player, a businessman, just a godlike figure in sports. I agree. I agree. Crazy stuff. Really excited to see for the next four weekends on Sundays, this amazing series. Oh, yeah. And got one last bit of news. Ani, I think your Chargers, you have some uniform news about them? Yeah, the Chargers, who already had the best uniforms in the league, uh, dropped new uniforms that are still the best uniforms in the league. Not hard to believe because I think the Chargers excel on all fronts except for their terrible ownership and their terrible on-the-field performance. Uh, but their jerseys, which I thought really were the best in the league, they dropped after much anticipated hype and everyone on Twitter went crazy. People from all teams, every analyst on NFL and ESPN concurred with the majority opinion that these jerseys were amazing. I just bought a Derwin James jersey in November, and I kind of want to buy another jersey just because these jerseys look so nice. But have you seen the jerseys? What do you think? I really don't have a comment. I like the jerseys. I am excited to see the Raiders smack them when they wear those jerseys. And Objectively, these are the best jerseys in the NFL, though. I'm glad they didn't do what the Rams did with theirs. So... Yeah, Yo, right. good on you, San Diego. I keep calling them San Diego, bro. Objectively, these are the best jerseys in the league. Like, tell me whose jerseys are better. Yo, the Raiders jerseys are sick. <laughs> no, this Ra- Raiders jerseys, the old... Okay, I wish the Raiders brought back their jerseys from when they were in LA because those jerseys were sick. The Raiders jerseys in general are, like, pretty good. Like, I just I think like, they're, like, it's very simple. The silver it's very and, simple. The silver and black color scheme is so slick. It's so slick and it's super simple. I really like their jersey scheme. But, like, 
Ob- from an objective standpoint, I feel like even not as a Chargers fan, the the Chargers jerseys are just the best in the league. They have so much versatility. The color scheme just works really well. The pops on the field. I just like I, if I was a Chargers player, like walking out, I would just feel so much like like so much hype and swag. But yeah, I I think I think they're the best. Pops out. You might pops out on the field because they got no fans. So all you really see is the players. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, if this, if if what I think is gonna happen is gonna happen, and there's not gonna be any fans on the field, or in fans in the stadiums, like it won't really matter for the Chargers. Because actually, it'll be an advantage for the Chargers. Because the past few years, whenever the Chargers had a home game, it felt like an away game. Because all the other teams' fans would just come and fill the stadium. So, like, it would definitely be an advantage to us because there's no fans to cheer on anybody. So, I think it's a good thing. That sucks, man. They had a really, really good team for so many years in like those late 2000s, early 2010s, and they always just had really shitty attendance. We had we had good attendance in San Diego. It's just we had a lot of bad luck, bad luck in San Diego when we had a lot of injuries at just the worst possible times, and we somehow ran into like one of the greatest teams of all time, which are the Patriots. That 2007 team. Mm. So it's just really unfortunate, but I mean, it is what it is. These past few years in LA have been pretty terrible. I mean, obviously, ownership was competent. They would have stayed in San Diego. There's no Chargers fans in LA, but I'm just really excited to see what this new season will bring. Hopefully the Chargers don't disappoint me in the draft, and I really hope they don't draft Herbert. I know they're going to, but I really hope they don't. When they do, I will cry. I can't believe Herbert. I can't believe Herbert's getting more talked about than Jalen Hurts. It's unbelievable. Dude, yeah. For those that are listening, if if you want to see me cry in real time, please watch the draft coverage and just wait until the Chargers pick. <laughs> wait until they draft Herbert, and I will literally start crying because it will be a terrible decision. Shri, me and you have talked about this on the podcast already. We saw Herbert live. Me and you watched the Red Box Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he was just terrible. Super underwhelming. <laughs> it was just like, it was the worst football game I've ever watched in person or on TV. Well, to be fair, you could you could tell he had a big arm. But the problem is he overthrew every single receiver by a lot. It wasn't even like slight overthrows or, yeah, you know what? The, that route looked like something they run. He just missed his receivers long every single time. and. That was concerning, especially for so someone inaccurate. so hyped. He is so inaccurate. Uh, I, I can't begin to describe how I felt. I, I always didn't like Herbert, especially after seeing him play in real life. And I watched him play at Oregon a lot. Never had a good feeling about him. Never had confidence that if Oregon was down, he could lead them back to victory, mm-hmm. which he didn't generally do. Oregon was generally up when they won games. And one of my favorite NFL and just in general, football analysts on YouTube and on Twitter, Brett Coleman has this whole video on Justin Herbert, which I think if you guys are interested, you guys should watch. He he it's just, he sees, which I do too, that sometimes Herbert has moments of brilliance, but sometimes he's just like, it's so flawed. It's very frustrating. On the player. fundamentals. Exactly. Very frustrating to watch. And his accuracy, he's, he's thrown, people think he throws a lot of screen passes because he plays for Oregon, air raid style offense. He only threw 11% of his passes were screen passes. Yet his accuracy down the field was 122nd in, in, in football, in, in, the, in the NCAA. So he has terrible downfield accuracy. I think there's another Pac-12 quarterback, Jacob Eason, who I like a little more than Herbert for your Chargers. I don't know about that. I think Jacob Eason is also pretty eh. I think Bryce Love is also pretty eh. I think I, like I think Bryce the quarterback Lewis. tier gen- genuinely goes obviously Joe Burrow at number one, Tua number two. Tua two if healthy. No, Tua two if healthy for sure. If not healthy, Jalen Hurts two two or three. Mm-hmm. And then like a big gap, and then Bryce Love four, Herbert five, Easton six. I think I think I really hope that Isaiah Simmons is left when the Chargers draft number six, and they can grab him. Mm-hmm. At six, and then in the second or third round, grab Jalen Hurts. That would be the ideal scenario. I think Hurts is good for for LA's system. I think he and Keenan Allen are going to form a connection like pretty immediately, just because Allen's a dynamic downfield receiver. Hurts has a good arm, very accurate. Threw slightly more picks this season than I guess he was accustomed to throwing in Alabama's like bulletproof system, but he still had a good year. I think he was. 30 touchdowns, 8 picks, something like that. But 
Injuries, man. I but, like Hurts, yeah. dude. Yeah, definitely. So now let's move on to the mailbag segment of this episode. So we posted on Instagram. If you don't follow it already, please follow our Instagram podcast at Locked In. And we asked you guys some questions, or we asked you guys to ask us some questions that we talk about. So we appreciate everyone that that wrote in, I guess, typed in the box. Wasn't that hard to type in, but not a lot of you guys typed in. But thank you for those that typed in. We really appreciate your questions. Have some good ones. And yeah, let, let's let's get right into it. All right, let's start with, I think, Ani, your friend, Venu. Please tell me I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, my cousin Venu, yeah. Yeah, okay. He asked, what is the best Marvel movie? Mind if I go first? Yeah, go ahead. My personal favorite is Doctor Strange, just because I love the the medicine aspect of it. It combines, like, really relevant brain science, surgeon, um, kind of like a very real aspect of life, and then takes these, like, insane mythological powers i i thought it was a good blend of the two i thought the storyline was really unique compared to some of the other marvel movies it kind of explored a hero that really didn't get that much mainstream coverage until the trailers for the movie started coming out i don't know but i have a couple of friends who are huge like comic fans and even they agree that a lot of the the coverage was usually just on like you know spider-man and captain america hulk like the typical mcu heroes that we're all accustomed to but strange just brings a really unique dynamic both as a person as a character who developed throughout the movie from someone who who was really angry and bitter before he went and discovered his powers in that ashram and then to someone who's really a very logical combined that aspect of his his medicinal practices and really is one of the most well well-rounded heroes in the marvel universe so yeah i'm gonna go with dr strange so that's your favorite would you also say that that's the best marvel movie or well i kind of interpreted this as I, I sure i mean it was it was the most enjoyable for me to watch okay. i think no, any that's... of the i think any of the the infinity war endgame movies obviously just because of the sheer amount of fan service visual effects just beautiful beautiful like tying together of all the plots of all these different heroes and villains that we've accustomed like grown accustomed to love and i thought that was the easy answer when i was first thinking of it but i'll always remember strange no makes sense i, I thought dr change was very good as well yeah so my favorite marvel movie is Thor Ragnarok because I think it really it, it's I love Taika Waititi I think he did a great job with Thor Ragnarok <laughs> I used to love Thor before the movie but he got his haircut and a sort of new personality and just the way that movie's made it's so ridiculous and fantastical and just hilarious on all fronts bro the humor, I love the humor in that movie is just on point <laughs> yeah i love korg i think his mayor accent is hilarious korg is my favorite mcu character i think the movie is just ridiculous voiced on, by the director yeah voiced by taika waititi um i just think it's ridiculous on all fronts and i love ridiculousness i think the movie really fits my personality when i watched it for the first time i was just blown away and I continue to go back to it. It's really a funny movie. I love Tessa Thompson. Um, Loki is hilarious in it as well. Uh, it's just so many funny things. Like when Thor comes back to Asgard for the first time in a long time and sees Loki pretending to be Odin, he's shape-shifting as Odin. And there's a statue of Loki in the front and there's like a play being put on and Matt Damon is playing Loki. <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth's younger brother uh, not Liam Hemsworth, the, the other Hemsworth, forget his name, is playing Thor. Like, just the irony in all of that is just hilarious. I love that movie. I think that's my favorite. The best, I think, would have to go to Captain America Civil War or Infinity War. I think I'd, I'd lean towards Captain America Civil War. I think just truly a fantastic movie overall. I, I really like that movie. I think it does a great job 
of bringing comic books to life. Civil War is a really important set of comic books, and I think it really does a good job of bringing that to life. And also, I I really just I I think it's the best made Marvel movie. I think the the plot is relatively airtight in terms of Marvel movies. They do bring together a lot of things from different Marvel movies. I love the realistic aspect of it,、mm-hmm. kind of like like trying to weigh people's actions and. The consequences of their actions, like the how... the Sokovia Accords, and kind of like that whole convention going on, it's very applicable to stuff going on. Exactly, and two fantastic character introductions: Black Panther, King T'Challa, and of course Spider Man. I remember watching it in theaters and seeing that that Queen's um、uh, title card pop up, and then that song come up, and then、mm-hmm. Tom Holland's character walking into the apartment and、it's、seeing、so、him, May, and Tony Stark, and it's just like. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider Man,、um, so it's just、mm. like for me, like just overall, I think that's the best Marvel movie. But my favorite is still Ragnarok. Yeah, Civil War was dope, dude. That was yeah. I、great. I mean Avengers Avengers had crossovers before Civil War, but I think the sheer variety of all the the different characters in Civil War made it just super entertaining with Ant Man and you had Scarlet Witch. There was incredible diversity in that movie, so I have no problem. That was dope. Yeah. That final scene, that that fight scene at the airport is、it's、hilarious.、Epic. Yeah, I just wish the CGI at the airport had been a little bit better. I think it's pretty obvious that it's just down soundstage, but still, it know, looked like a it looked like a COD map. Yeah, and it really looked like terminal. Terminal,、really、looked, looked like terminal. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All、cool. right, we so got a second question. Yeah, go comes for from Kanal,、uh, my roommate, who asked, "What is the best Kanye album?" So, what do you think the best Kanye album is, Shree? I'm gonna go with the album that got me into Kanye, and that is 808s and Heartbreak. Think Heartless, amazing, and Love Lockdown obviously are the the easy choices from this album. But there's also Streetlights,、um, Coldest Winter, if I'm not mistaken,、um, Welcome to Heartbreak. I think this is some of Kanye's most、uh, soulful, just on point with his lyrics. All the beats were sick. Every time I think of the NBA, anytime from like. 2008 to 2010, I always think of amazing and like the whole, the whole marketing thing with NBA where amazing happens. They use the background of this song and, yeah, this is for sure the album that really got me invested into Kanye's music. And yeah, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I think Anyways and Heartbreak is the best Kanye album. I think from a few different standpoints, it's my favorite because、uh, again, as Shree said. It's the one that introduced me to Kanye West. We all got introduced, all our friend group to Kanye West at the same time. <laughs> Shouts out to Mr. D for playing Kanye West in Science Lab. Yo,、um, and I think just from 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 a from a technical aspect and from a musical、uh, a musical aspect, it's. I think it's just Kanye's best album overall. It like incorporates everything that makes Kanye, iconic, and one of the greatest to ever do it. Both from a producer standpoint and from a rapper standpoint, and it just solidified his run after late registration, graduation, college dropout. As this guy's here to stay, this guy's one of the greatest of all time, and I think just it it, it had so many amazing songs, and it just flows really well together, and it's just really well produced and really well made. So I think for sure that's the best Kanye album. I think a close second in my mind is Graduation, but I know a lot of people like Yeezus. Um, I didn't used to like Yeezus until a few years ago. I thought it was way too stripped down and and experimental. But I really liked Yeezus a lot more when I started listening to it more recently. But I still think it goes in my mind. It was in Heartbreaks and a close second is Graduation. I love Graduation as well.、Mm, I agree. I I don't really know what my second favorite is. Honestly, for me, it's with Kanye. After this album, it's kind of more about just his individual songs and. Not really focusing on his albums, like I don't know. I really like Blood on the Leaves.、Um, New Slaves is dope. I think that was off Yeezus.、Um, Both of those were off Yeezus, yeah. Uh, what else? Black Skinhead again off Yeezus, dude. I might have to go with Yeezus, but.、Um... I mean, I, I think the reason why I love Graduation is because it's a really well put together album. But if I'm also thinking about it. Late re- late registration and and the college dropout have really good skits peppered through. I love the skits in both、oh, those、yeah. albums. I think they're hilarious for sure. So this is Kanye has so many hits, dude.、So、with with just... graduation, um, I think Homecoming was off of that. That collab with 
Is it Coldplay's Chris lead Martin. singer, right, Chris Martin? It's so yeah. dope. They have Good Morning. You have Flashing Lights, uh, Champion, Stronger. But lately, Restriction has so many hits too. Heard Him Say, Touch the Sky, uh, Gold Digger, Diamonds from Sierra Leone. Uh, and then Calls Drop Out, you know, Jesus Walks. Mm-hmm. Get Him High, Slow Jams, uh, Through the Wire. Just uh, Kanye West is just amazing, dude. Agreed. I got yeah. nothing more on this, man. Cool. So our third question also comes from Kanal, uh, who this time asked, what is the best university all around? That is the most open-ended question, bro. <laughs> Kanal, you a goon for this, man. Um, what is the best university? How do you even like begin to answer this? But I'm going to go UC Davis, dog. I'm going to give my, my Homer answer. I'm going to give the San Diego Charger answer. Huh? This is I, a terrible answer. Davis has got got good food, a cute downtown, open campus, always renovating, always constructing, which for some people is a problem. I, I think it's dope. I think there's always a lot of activity wherever you go. No, nah, it's not Davis. <laughs> it's really not <laughs> Davis, dude. Um, so for for me, I think the I think there's only three right answers, and I'm talking specifically about U.S. universities. I think there's only three right answers you can choose from. Um, and I think there's like an order tier to them. I think it goes UCLA, then Michigan, and then UT. And they're all very similar schools. And I think the reason why is because you look at it from an education standpoint, all three schools are great. And I think they're they're good in the, the rank. I think UCLA is the best in Michigan, then UT. Sports standpoint, again, all three schools, legendary sports schools. In terms of affordability, they're all public schools. So if you're in-state, it's very affordable. In terms of alumni networks, again, all three very old and prestigious schools. And you look at it from every other aspect of it, school spirit. You look at how the campus life is. And I think those three schools really break apart from all of the schools. I think Berkeley. I was going to say Berkeley. But I think Berkeley sports culture is in like... It's not very... It's definitely not like one of those Big Ten schools. It's not... People aren't like crazy about their sports. They'll probably just go and watch the big game against Stanford. But aside from that, I don't think they're like truly invested in their sports. People don't care if they go to Berkeley. Like, like I mean, they they care they go to Berkeley, but it's not like like going to UT. And I know it's similar in Michigan and LA. It's it's a huge deal if you go to those schools. Mm -hmm. Like it's part of the culture that like you're proud of your school regardless of what happens. I think I'd probably throw in aside from cost like USC. Oh, no, USC was up there, but I think the cost is a really prohibitory aspect to it. I think it being a private school and the size of it being smaller than the other three schools, that not as many kids can get in, and it's a lot more expensive. But I think on every other aspect, USC would be in that list as well. But I think it has to be between those three. I think it's honestly probably UCLA or Michigan. I think I think UCLA is the most well-rounded in terms of like everything. When you include all, yeah. all departments for academics, their sports are always highly competitive. Michigan, I think the weather is kind of like a a down factor for a lot of people see that's what i was talking to canal about canal was like but some people like all four seasons and i'm like yeah i guess if you like snow but i mean i think it really comes down to michigan or or, or ucla I, I think ut is up there but it's not it's not great on it, it doesn't compare to any of those any of the other categories that I named except for cost like ut's in-state cost is insanely cheap i think other I, than that i think i'd throw in duke as well in terms of again duke is a private school i try to exclude private schools because i think they're expensive for most kids they do give lots of scholarships but still problem is with some of these out-of-state schools like even michigan and ut like definitely cost for people at least for us like a lot of our audience is like based in california so definitely those schools aren't like cost oh no yeah but i think in-state is uh, in-state like no matter if you're in-state or out-of-state for usc or duke it's gonna cost the same right Mm -hmm. so yeah but good question could Damn, that is that is a very wide encompassing question for sure. I, if I was going outside the U.S., I would for sure say Oxford or Oxford or, or something um, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the other school? A Cambridge? Yeah, Oxford Cambridge. Or Cambridge. One of the two. Yeah, I think it really depends on which one, but I think those two are the best schools in the world. But mm. all around. All right. Yeah. Dope. Our fourth question comes from Vikas Ravi. Shout out Vikas, always responding to our stuff, being very engaged with the pod. Uh, he asks, what is the greatest sports dynasty? Kind of a so loaded how, question. How how long are you considering a dynasty? Because you could say like the Celtics have had a dynasty for the Celtics have like 
I'm talking about, so, like, the old Celtics, like the Bill Russell Celtics. Yeah, yeah. So are you counting just, like, the same players or similar players? Or I how think are you the, finding a dynasty? That same, the same core of, like, head coach slash stars. Like, we, we, because, we're obviously going to have to include the Patriots. Like, obviously the same system has been there since, like, the dawn of the century. And with all the revolving parts, it's still been Belichick and Brady. So we got to take into consideration that I think there's the ninety, the nineties Bulls are definitely in the mix. The Showtime Lakers are definitely Showtime in the mix. Showtime Lakers, yep. Uh, are there any baseball dynasties that we're forgetting? The Yankees <laughs> at a point. The Yankees early on. The Yankees when they got Babe Ruth. The Yankees when they had Joe DiMaggio. The Yankees until like um, other teams became a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the let's see, uh, the Warriors could be considered a dynasty. I'm um, gonna I'm gonna not call them a dynasty yet, just because. Okay. Listen, the three championships is impressive. The the revolutionizing basketball is impressive, but are if we're calling the Warriors a dynasty, we're calling Kobe and Shaq a dynasty as well. No, yeah, I agree. I think I think the Spurs are a super underrated dynasty. A very, they basically very had dynasty. The same team Spurs. for five championships minus David Robinson, I guess. You know, so that's a super underrated dynasty. Yeah, dude. No, Spurs are like, I don't even know if they're low key. They're for sure a dynasty with how much success they've had under Pop and with Timmy Ginobili, Parker. They they never stopped winning. Yeah, I think they're a great example of uh, an underrated dynasty. Um, I think yeah, they could they could I, I think it'd be probably between that, I think the fact that they kept it together so long mm-hmm. and the Bulls and the Patriots. I think those are my top three dynasties. Um I'm trying to think of other sports like soccer, but in soccer especially like it, the it's big hard European to be clubs. like a dynasty. yeah. And I'm trying to think of like hockey, but even hockey I like guess the, pe- the, penguins the penguins for like a bit that, that doesn't count yeah or like the canucks with this like with sedines but I don't the know, red I wings were good for a point yeah i think for sure it's those three i mean you could argue there's some dynasties in the old nfl like mm-hmm. the cowboys i think the niners were a dynasty for a little bit and then there was the bears with mike dicka and all those people mike singletary mm-hmm. Like those Bears franchises, I think I don't know. I I think it's the Patriots, the Bulls, and the Spurs. I'm gonna throw in the Showtime Lakers. They were definitely dynastic. Oh, they're dynastic. Yeah, I think championships won and playoff success. I think if you throw in the Showtime Lakers, you have to throw in the Celtics of that era. The OG well. Celtics, yeah. yeah, that's fair. I think those are like the five. If we're gonna talk about, if we're gonna pick one from those, I pick the Bulls. But maybe that's because I watched the doc and. And being influenced, but the Bulls were just so good. So, I'm gonna take the Patriots because it's 18 years. Actually, no. In that situation, I'll take I'll take the Spurs. That's fair. I I'm going based on longevity. Spurs have longevity, and they have one less championship than the um, Patriots. But I argued that they they faced much tougher competition. They faced Kobe and Shaq Lakers. They faced LeBron. Many, many times they faced some really good teams. They faced so. some tough OKC teams in the playoffs, hard Memphis series. I think they for sure had way tougher competition than the Patriots had. So See, that's that's being super comparative. That's that's super subjective. Sorry, not comparative. It's very subjective. When we're saying the Patriots didn't really face anybody, I don't know about that. I'm not saying they didn't face anybody. I just think the competition was tougher. The parity in the NBA is a lot greater than the parody in the NFL. In in the NBA, especially in the West, starting from I mean, honestly, oh, one through, it's been forever. One through like ten in the West is always a dogfight. Yeah, so really and the fact that whenever they went to the championship they faced very tough teams um was is was and is an indication that I think they are a better dynasty. The the Patriots didn't face that many tough teams when they went to the I mean, they faced the greatest show on, 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 on turf, which were the Rams. They beat them, mm-hmm. but the Panthers team wasn't that great. Uh, the Eagles team was okay. It was good. I mean, obviously made the Super Bowl, but like they weren't dynastic in any sense. They faced the Seahawks team. That was very good, but 
Um, and then they Great faced the Rams team that was, again, really good, but also had some pretty gaping flaws. They faced a Falcons team that was good, should've but also won. bad at the same time. Very confusing. No, they, that, that Falcons team should have won the Super Bowl. Should have won, but like they were they really oh that great? Because like the next season they just didn't make the. I mean, they didn't. Make I think Super Bowl injuries. I think injuries kind of screwed them this yeah. past year. They made the playoffs the year before that, but it was obviously. I think they were still reeling from that loss, and there were a lot of moving parts that left that off season. But their offense this year projects to be like top five. So I have yeah, good but... good expectations for them. I don't know. I think with the Spurs, they just had a lot of unfortunate like first round losses and like some weird second round losses. The but Patriots they made the playoffs every single year. They made the playoffs literally every single year. I think well, the Patriots made the playoffs every year too. I know, but they they have twenty twenty two consecutive NBA seasons with Pop and that whole team. Except a lot of them have obviously retired now, but still, they have some amazing, amazing runs. Who they beat in the? So I think they beat. Those they, they they beat the Suns a lot. They they beat. Um, are you talking about just finals or like Western Conference finals and like just general playoff teams? They beat the Nets one year. That was a the Nets were an underratedly weirdly good finals team. They beat the LeBron Heat. Tough. Right. That that was ridiculous especially the way they lost the year before on that Ray Allen shot. exactly and they they went to the championship like those two years in a row mm-hmm. so and that was like late Tim Duncan years too so very um, impressive stuff there did they play in 2007 they played the Cavs Remember LeBron? The- it, it was that LeBron year where oh the carried, LeBron's first year yeah you're it right, was like you're Delonte right. West Booby Gibson a oh, bunch of a nobody. Mo Williams. God, his second best player on that team was Mo Williams, man. Okay, well, the Knicks weren't that great in 99. In 03, the, the Nets were very good. In 05, the no, Pistons. Man, 99, 99 Knicks were not bad. Okay, no, but the 03 Nets were great. The 03 Pistons. The 03 Pistons. The 05 Pistons. Were, the, 04, the, one that's, the ones that beat the Lakers. That yeah. Pistons team. The Spurs beat them. That's a great one. And then you have LeBron. That yeah, I think for me, I think it has to be the Spurs then. I just think the Pats got deeper, and I can't believe I'm arguing for the Patriots, man. I just think they got deeper more often in the playoffs, and obviously it's different in in football just because it's one game elimination, and the Spurs have to go through like seven game series each round. That's but what I'm saying. I, I I mean at that point you're just fundamentally comparing the two sports. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, to each his own. I think all those five that we listed were remarkable. The Bulls were probably... I think the Bulls were the most exciting dynasty in that it was Bulls fever. Everyone was just on it. Like The, the, the Bulls were an international sensation. I don't think you can call the Patriots or the Spurs like a truly international sensation. That's true. The well, Bulls yeah. were legendary, but yeah. Good question. Great um, question, Nikos. Thank you. Yeah, so Ishan asked us uh, what our favorite Johnny football moments were, but we're not going to answer that because we are an anti-A&M podcast, so. (laughs) Dude, Johnny football was the most exciting thing to happen in college. He was like the Steph Curry of college football. I don't want to talk about him, dude. I don't feel comfortable. I don't don't want to talk about A&M, unless we're talking about how UT is a better school than A&M. I think if he wasn't a crackhead, he could have done some things in the NFL. He his moment against Alabama, both moments one of, against Alabama. One of the one of the most iconic college football moments of Too all good. time. Too good. Too good. Johnny football man, hate to see it. Um. All right, we have our last question asked by Kajal Raju, and she asked and answered, "What is the hardest sport?" And she said gymnastics was the only right answer, and it got us thinking. What are some of the other sports that are super super hard? Definitely gymnastics up there. Ani, I think you said water polo, boxing for sure. I would argue to include to that list probably tennis just because when you're playing a game of tennis against like the highest level of competition, it's just you. And I think with all these individual sports, it's just like twice as hard because you're going up not against an opponent, but your own mental as well. Because when you make a mistake, it's completely on you. You don't have teammates to back you up. You don't have people encouraging you. 
coaching is super limited in these individual sports, aside from, I think, boxing. But, yeah, I think when you're going up against yourself, that's a completely different animal against going up against, like, an opposing team or something. So, Yeah, I think the reason why I said water polo, boxing, and gymnastics is because I think to achieve some level of proficiency in all three of those sports is difficult. Mm -hmm. Tennis, it's, like... People that play in high school aren't bad at all. And even recreational tennis players, like you can play tennis okay to a certain extent. Oh, I think no, tennis for sure. is I think I think when I'm when I'm saying tennis, I'm not it's probably the the lowest amongst the ones we've mentioned. It's just yeah. at the highest level of play. I'm not talking no, about what we sure. do, man. We can play I I mean, minus gymnastics and probably boxing. Damn, I think water we can, polo. You can't like hey, hey, you you remember when we tried playing water polo in Yasha's pool? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, seriously, like like a, a water polo match is like an hour Insane. of treading. Water. Oh yeah, treading and just like a lot of banging underneath the water. Like it's very. And difficult. I mean that super literally. Like it's my my friend. One of my friends used to play, and he would just he had scratches everywhere when he come to class the next day. It was tough. because he used to play water polo as well in high school, and it's just a very difficult sport. So I think those three especially are are uncomparable i mean tennis is hard of course but i think again for my mind when when kajo asks the hardest sport i think it's it the hardest gymnastics one yeah yeah i think gymnastics one boxing two or I, think for, I think it's it's tied gymnastics and boxing are, are, are tied one yeah for boxing me, is boxing is tough they're both difficult because gymnastics is super hard because you have to like it's like god-given talent like you have to like have a certain level of talent in you and be mm-hmm. flexible enough whatever and also there's a lot of training involved at the same time, boxing, like, you're literally getting beaten the hell Pummel, out of So, yeah. there's, like, there's that as well. So, um, I think it's those two are, like, definitely one and two, two and one. Whichever one you want to put, I don't care. I'd agree with both of them. And then we have water polo. I think also with gymnastics, what she brought up was when you're, when you're training to be a gymnast, you're training not for, like, when you train for basketball, you're training for, like, a 15 to 20-year career. It's not like that with gymnastics. Your prime is so short and... You you have to like train outside of school. Sometimes people like drop out of school. They'll they'll put aside any other pursuits or career aspirations they have just to just be in the gym and and work on all their technique, work on all the different things gymnasts have to do. And I think that's super tough about gymnastics. And with boxing, it's your the constant risk of just a career altering injury, especially in when you talk about brain injuries, I think yeah, football and boxing, straight up football, death. football and boxing are two of the scariest sports to play. I don't know about rugby hardest, as well. but rugby as well. No rugby as well. I still, I love watching rugby, dude. That's like su- super underrated sport to watch. But yeah, I agree. Go all blacks, but yeah, I think, I, I think in terms of difficulty, I think, yeah, you have to factor in the, the fact that you're training for so long from such a young age for gymnastics. And then your prime is so short lived. Um, I mean, for boxing, you can only start training at a certain age when you've matured physically. Yeah, what are you going to be, like, six, just, like, punching your dad? Like, hell no. You, you see people doing that, but really, like, it does, I mean, it makes a difference, of course, but it doesn't make it that doesn't big start of a difference until, until you're, you're, like, in your teens when you can start developing your physical body to, to, to take beatings like that. So I think oh, for th- sure. they're different, but I think boxing and gymnastics are for sure the hardest sports. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, that's it for today's episode. It's kind of very informal, not not a lot to talk about, but we're glad you guys gave us all this content. We really appreciate it. We're going to do more of these with sports continuing to stay in the background. And yeah, we're just going to keep doing our thing. Any Anything to say? I mean, just tune into our draft coverage on Thursday. Again, the link will be on our Instagram. Uh once again, thank you guys for listening all the way through. For those of you that did, we really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone that asked a question. Venu, Kanal, Vikas, I guess, Ishan, and Kajal, we really, really appreciate it. We love interacting with you guys on our Instagram. So we'll continue to post polls and questions and just see what y'all think. So we really appreciate you guys helping us out and letting us know what you guys want next on the podcast. Some important life-changing updates i ordered a mic on amazon it's coming soon so my audio quality will increase greatly go get that from peak, the next episode. peak podcast production quality starting very soon so that's gonna be fun yeah and other than that 
don't really have much else to say other than stay safe, wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace. Everyone's